And you're going to be placed in these pitiful places, not by your own doing, not by your own hand, not by your own action, but you will find yourself being put in places even by your brethren. The Bible says that Joseph's brothers, uh, because he interpreted a dream to them, because he told the truth for no greater crime than being spiritually led by the God of this Bible, he was placed in a pit and was going to be left there for dead. But God's purpose was greater than death. God's purpose was greater than His brotherhood. And God's purpose was greater than what the devil thought He could exact on Joseph. Every one of us can make it through the pitfalls and through the pits of life. And we can do it by understanding the characteristics of this pit that Joseph was put in. Alright, let me give them to you quickly. I'll take my seat. It will be done. Characteristics of the pit, number one. It was a permitted pit. Are you listening? It was not right. He was not put there by right. Everything that caused him to be in that pit was wrong. He he did no wrong. He did not speak any wrong. He did not tell a lie. He did nothing but give God's revelation uh, that God gave him to his family. And he was placed in that pit and put in that pit by his brothers by permission. And I'm not talking about his daddy's permission or his mama's position our permission, nor the permission of the board, or the permission of the association, but he was put there in a permitted pit because, listen to me closely, right here, what happened to Joseph by his brothers was wrong, but God used it, uh, what they thought they was going to accomplish, and what they thought was going to come out of this didn't, but God used a permitted pit for Joseph to be propelled into a powerful purpose. That being said, just because you do right does not mean you'll be treated right. Just because you do correctly and follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit does not mean everybody will comment on you right or treat you right or give towards you a right impression or opinion. But you can rest assured of this. Now listen closely. God, I'm talking about our God. I'm talking about Jehovah God. He can take the wrong intentions of men. He can take the wicked actions of people. And He can turn around what the devil thinks he's going to use to kill you, he can turn it around and get glory out of it for his purpose. Let me ask you a question. Have you been permitted to be placed in a pit 
you didn't deserve. There's only one assumption tonight we can make. God has got something wonderful in your future. The greatest day of Joseph's life was not when he was born in Israel. The greatest day in Joseph's life was not when he received the revelation of the dream. The greatest day in Joseph's life uh, was not necessarily when he got the coat of many colors from his papa. The greatest day in his life was when he was done wrong. Because he was on his way to his destiny. (laughs) The Apostle Paul Acts 16. Are you listening to what I'm trying to tell you? Acts chapter number 16. uh, The Apostle Paul uh, is preaching the gospel, giving the Word of God to people, and a demon-possessed woman is following him around mocking him. She's screaming, These men are of the Most High God. These men preach the Word of the Most High God. And she's mimicking and she's mocking what they're saying. One day, old Paul got all he could take. He wheeled on that witch. And that's what, don't look at me funny, that's what she was. She is full of demons. She is full of devils. He wheeled on her and recognized that she was not his enemy, but his enemy possessed her. And he wheeled on her, and in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, he said, come out of her in the name of Christ. And that woman all of a sudden upset the economy. She upset the the local astronomers' meeting. She upset that whole crowd that was making money off of her and upset that whole bunch that was demonic and demon-led. She upset the whole bunch. And guess what Paul got for it? He did not get the medal or the distinguished honor of gospel presentation. He did not get preacher of the year. He did not get an accommodation for preaching the truth and getting the demons out of her. He was thrown in jail. For no greater crime than delivering a woman from hell and the devil. (laughs) He's in prison. His back's against the wall. His feet's in stocks. His hands are in stocks. And they didn't put him in the outer prison. They put him in the inner prison where they didn't want him getting away. This boy was tough to, to these people. He was a tough hombre. And they put him in the center of the jail and chained him to a block wall. Silas was with him. And there they were. Uh, accosted, beaten, persecuted, and matted, if you will, to that wall with those chains. And all of a sudden, they did not cop an attitude. All of a sudden, they did not begin to curse and swear. All of a sudden, they did not begin to try to get even. And all of a sudden, they didn't hunt the manual on maliciousness. They began to sing praises unto God and to glorify God. And God said, I want you to look a yonder. They're down in jail for the crime of preaching, and they cast demons out of that woman. He said, I think I'll just do what I can to bless them. And He sent an earthquake 
and shattered the place right down the middle of the concrete floor. And all of a sudden, the, the, the bars and the doors were rattled and they fell off their hinges. And in sprang purpose. In sprang fruit. In sprang destiny. Men and brethren, what must I do to be saved? And Paul say, took his sword out and would have killed himself because they was going to kill him anyway because he let Paul get out. Paul said, I ain't got nothing to run from. Put that knife up. He said, I'll be here in the morning. They ain't turning me loose at dark. They're going to let me go in the middle of the square at noontime because they didn't know who they locked up to start with. And the Bible teaches us that that old boy said, Would you come to my house? He said, My wife's got a little nursing training, and I think she can fix your back up, and I sure would love it if you'd come home with me. And old Paul went home with that believer and with that uh, jailer, and there in that house, I got a feeling everything's not recorded, but the Bible says, And the jailer believed God and called out on God with his house. I don't know what happened, but I can surmise. I don't know how it all transpired, but I can sure give it a good, enthusiastical uh, guess. I'm, I'm about halfway prone to think they had an old-fashioned, I mean, snot-slinging, tear-jerking, devil-shaking meeting in that house. You don't hear nothing from Silas. Because Silas has already phoned headquarters and says, I want another preacher to travel with. This one is killing me. And all of a sudden, the permitted pit led to precious fruit. Whatever you're in tonight, may you may be there by wrong hands, but remember the hand of God will take the wrong and flip it around. You meant it for evil, they said against Joseph, but God turned it around. I like what it says in Job. God, these verses are coming back from years ago. I, I love that verse in, in, in Job 42 and 10. It said, And the Lord turned the, the captivity of Job. He lost everything he had, but when he got in chapter 42, he got it back tenfold. I want to say something to you. Life will not treat you fairly. Life will not treat you squarely. But I want to tell you this. God will never treat you anything but wonderful. Somebody give Him praise and glory right there. I don't know why I'm going through what I'm going through. Well, let me say this. <laughs> it, 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 it is only by permission that anybody ever gets to do any of God's children anything but right. Number two, notice the second characteristic, and we're headed toward the watermelon. Number two, it was a proving pit. It was a proving pit. Look at this verse. I want you to look at this verse. He said, come now, therefore, this is the brother talking, and let us slay him. Let's kill this prophesier. Let's kill this dreamer. I'm sick of And that's the way a lot of people feel about dreamers today. I don't want to be around him. He's crazy. Crazy enough to believe God and watch him do what he said. 
come now, we'll slay him. We'll cast him into some pit. And we will say some evil beast hath devoured him. Notice, we shall see what will become of his dream. Will he dream in the pit? Or will the pit steal his dream? Will he dream in the hole? Or will the hole swallow up his dream? Will he keep dreaming? Or will this pit take his dream away? You know what I found out about God? He'll give you a dream. He'll tattoo a dream to your spirit. He will pour a dream into your heart. He'll fill you up as a vessel with a dream. And then He'll turn around and test you. This wasn't anything but a proving for Joseph. It was a proving place. It was a proving pit. He was thrown in that pit. We don't have one scriptural evidence of what his ideology or opinion or attitude was while he was in there. We don't have one evidence, not one, of what he said plus or minus. But he was in the pit by permission, and he was in the pit to be proven. Because they said, we're going to watch and see how his dream affects him now. Somebody's watching you in your pit. Somebody is observing you in your discouragement. Somebody is eyeballing you in your present pit. And let me say this. They may become affectionate towards your God by watching you in your pit and may turn their life over to Christ and give themselves over to the Holy Spirit because you react correctly in your pit. For your dream was given to you by God and your dreams should not be Pitiful, And your dreams should not stay in that pit. And your dreams should not be affected by that pit. Don't not dream your dream because you're not in the place where you got the dream. Dream the dream no matter where you are. It's a, pro- it's a proving pit. Years ago, when we first started out here, I didn't have enough people to lose none. I had about 50 when this happened. And I thought to myself a thousand times, this is probably all I'll ever have. And I treated them as good as I could, and I preached to them best I knew how. And I'd done what I could to love them. But one day, there was a gospel music group in the congregation that had decided that basically their ministry was their ministry and they was going to do what they could for their ministry. And 14 of the 50 got up and made the announcement they were going on the road. They were not good enough to be on the road, number one. And I told them when they come and asked me, I said, you do not need to be on any road but that front road. God brought you here to help you and the devil is going to do everything he can to lead you out of here in the name of the service. Fourteen of them got up and rebelled, retaliated, went down the middle aisle talking back to the pulpit negatively, telling me what this and what that and what the other. Now, they didn't last as long as Patty stayed in the war. 
and the whole family shattered. And I, I, I don't say that because I'm glad. I say that because it's the truth. And I want to say something to you. If you decide it's your ministry and you take it out of the hands of a competent God, I promise you this, you'll haul a calf rope for it's over. We're not the only place in town. I remember that statement was made along with another one. They turned around, You aren't God. This is not the only place where Jesus is. And then the man of the crowd turned around and said, you may, I quote, I remember it like it was yesterday. You may not miss us, but you'll miss our money. Let me tell you something. Let me say something to every one of you people. You listen to me real good. I did not go get you for your money, and I'm not preaching to you for your money. And let me say it real clear. I don't want to see anybody leave here. I don't want to see anybody turn tail and run. I don't want to lose nobody out of this congregation. But I promise you this. I'm not keeping you for what you put in here or keeping you here for what you're worth. I'm keeping you here to see your life change. By the grace of God, and what you got don't mean squat to me. That guy walked out the door. Two weeks later, a man walked in and gave me $10,000 to help finish that building off. And the Holy Ghost said, I was just seeing if you keep dreaming. If you came here for what you could put in and you think you'll leave and keep it out, God will send two to replace you so quick. Your footprint won't even be off the carpet before they get in. Because better ones than you have made that statement and been replaced. Not by me, but by God. Proving pit. Sometimes God will drop you in darkness. I've been there. Sometimes God will drop you in the murky. Sometimes God will drop you in the uncomfortable. Sometimes God will lower you down beneath the earth and not above it. And you'll think, my God, what did I do to deserve this? Only to have the Holy Spirit walk into that darkness and say... This is the way. Walk ye in it. I have found God to be the God of the darkness. I have found God to be the God of the pit. I have found God to be all I ever needed in the darknesses of life. For the simple reason, He gave me a dream and I can't help but dream it. He gave me a dream and I'm going to keep on dreaming it. He gave me a vision in my heart and I'm going to keep on standing on it. Praise God! Is anybody with me tonight? Is anybody here tonight with me? Praise God for somebody who can dream in the pit! Number three. Not only was it a permitted pit and a proving pit, but it was a prepared pit. Look at this. <laughs> and they took him. And they cast him into... The first one was some pit. This one says a pit. And the pit was empty. And there was no water in it. <laughs> God had already been there. And dried it out with the breath of His power. 
He said, one of my children is fixing to come in this home. And he ain't a drowning because he's a dreamer. Ain't nothing going to drown his dreams. Ain't nothing going to put out his enthusiasm. Ain't nothing going to put out his power. Ain't nothing going to steal his vision. They may put him in a hole, but I'm going to take the power out of the hole. And what they thought would drown his dreams was drowned. You know why? God showed up before there ever was any water. Speaking of water, where's Chad? Chad McNeese. Did he go smoke? Chris, where you at? Chris Brown. Steve, you see that water spot? I don't want you to see it, but no more after tonight. Amen. Help me get it fixed. That's your pit. Praise God. Wherever the devil's fixing to put you, God knew it 20 minutes before the devil ever figured it out. And he'll keep the place where you're going dry. Somebody give him praise and glory right there. Ain't nothing I hate any worse than going to a building and see ceiling tiles wet. No sense in it. No need in it. Amen. Can I get a witness? Amen. It's a prepared tile just to make sure Steve keeps his job. A prepared pit. Notice, it's permitted. Ted, you see that wet spot right there? If there's a baby up there wetting, that's fine, but you get him out of that attic tonight. It is a pre- And where you been? See me after church, I'll find out. A prepared pit. A proving pit. It was a permitted pit. Notice the fourth one. It was a passing pit. He didn't stay there forever. And I'm going to tell you something tonight. The troubles you've got and the pits have been dug for you that God has allowed and that God is proving you in and that God has prepared, I promise you this, it will not last forever. For notice it says, And they sat down and, and started to eat bread. They lifted up their eyes and looked, and behold, there was a company of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead, and their camels are bearing spicery and balm and myrrh. Notice, going to carry it down to Egypt. And what happened? The brethren said, uh, old Reuben said, let's take him up out of that hole. We're not going to kill him. Let's sell him. We'll get some money for him. And God, you now watch this. He used the same instruments that the devil used to put him in the pit, to take him out of the pit and put him in God's purpose. <laughs> going to carry it down to Egypt. And praise God, it wasn't all they was carrying. They was taking a man to his destiny and to the vision of his future. Let me ask you a question. (laughs) Are you in something thinking it ain't never going to end? I'm always going to feel like this. The devil's told me I don't deserve any better. I don't deserve any more. I'm always going to be in this bad marriage. I'm always going to be in this bad mess. I'm always going to be in this trouble. I am always going to pass this away and never going to get out of it. It is going to be an absolute tragedy in my life and it looks like it ain't changing I want to tell you there is a God who permitted, a God who's proven a God who's prepared and there is a God who will pass this thing on 
And you can see God do something for you. You're here tonight as single parents. You don't know what you're going to do. God has a future for you. You're here tonight unemployed. You don't know what you're going to do. God has a job for you. You're here tonight. You don't know what you're going to do next. You're a preacher and don't know your future. You're a preacher and wonder what God's going to do with you. Hey, God knows and God will bring it to pass. Somebody give Him glory. It's not going to last forever. (laughs) The last one. It was a propelling pit. <laughs> Genesis fifteen twenty. But as for you, he's speaking to his brothers now down yonder with corn sacks all around them. You thought evil against me. But but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. If you could dig Joseph up and communicate with him or to take him out of the portals of glory and stand him right there for 20 minutes and ask him questions, here's one you could ask him. And I guarantee you, I can tell you the answer. Joseph, was what you went through worth what you seen at the end? Was what you went through worth it? I guarantee you. He would say, yes. And I do it again. Because he was propelled from his pit into his performance and into his ministry and into his future and into his power because he was sent down to Egypt with merchantmen and God put him in his vision and God let him dream his dream and see his dream fulfilled. Now, what are the chances of him getting to Egypt the way he got there? You would have think he would have got a first-class ticket on Delta. But he had a secondary ticket on a camel's back. And he was hauled into Egypt and, look, propelled by his problem. I am 58. That is five years older. Than Diane. She, did I tell you she's 54? Hey, Amen. She told me when I went home, she said, You don't need to be announcing that to everybody. I said, Everybody's going to wonder. She said, Let them wonder down from that. I, I will be 59 September. If you'd like to take a pencil and write this date down for gifts and cards, it's the 26th of September. I will be 59. I have gotten to live in my dream and vision. For 30 years. Most of my adult life has been spent sweating, preaching, shouting, glorifying, and honoring Jesus right here. I have enjoyed it to no end. I have a better time than Granny Clampett does making moonshine in Beverly Hills. I like it. And I like it where I am. I like it what I, what I like what I'm doing with whom I'm doing it with, and I rejoice. But I want to tell you something. If I had had my way, I would have missed this. Because when I came out of college, I had other ideas. When I came out of college, I was going into evangelism. And God let me preach one sermon in Augusta. One. One Sunday morning. 
and spoke to my heart and spoke to the hearts of some people. Though they were, they were wrong in their motive and out of touch in their spirit, God used them to encourage me to become their preacher. And I did that based on what I thought was what I ought to do. And I do today think it was what I ought to do, but it wasn't what I wanted to do. I wanted to be an evangelist and preach this country wide open. One day, trouble cropped up in the church. Problems began to develop. Difficulties began to explode. Nothing anybody done, nothing that I'd done, it wasn't any fault of anybody's. There was just confusion and disarray. And then some of these guys asked me in college, how do you know when the Lord's through with you in a place? <laughs> You'll know. You ain't going to have to come and say, Brother Brown, I, I don't know exactly what I ought to do, go or stay. Oh, no, 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 no. You will know when to go because they'll probably be helping you. Much to your dismay and mine, they'll give you that information free and show you to the door by the foot. And that's basically I left on, on my own, but it was through a series of pits. It was through a series of misconception and confusion and not knowing. I mean, the longer I stayed, the more God made it to where I couldn't. Every mess I'd clean up, there was another one twice as bad. And I said, God, you're working me and you to death. What's up? What are you doing? And I didn't hear him. I didn't see him. I never have been privy to see Jesus walk in and say to me, <laughs> There I was, trying to preach in a place I was disgusted with. Try, my, my emotions and my feelings were right on the ragged edge. And I was trying to do what I could, trying to obey God. And it was getting worse and worse and problematic by the moment. One night, it was all I could do. I couldn't go to work no more, boy. I'd go down there and hate it. I'd go down there and despise it. I'd go down there and sit, and it was like I had a disease. I'd get sick. I couldn't take it. And the Lord said, when you get ready to do what I want you to, I'm going to tell you what to do. But as long as you have your ideas, you're running the show. And one day I said, God, I'm tired. and I'm wore out with it. I don't know what you want me to do. He pushed me over the edge. And I landed in the dream and vision of 30 years. But I did not come here for you. I will not leave for you. You did not come here for me. If you did, you came for the wrong person. You came for the glory of God. You ought not leave till the glory of God tells you to go. Can I get a witness? 
But there I was for 11 weeks, not knowing, struggling, but every morsel of food we needed came. Every bill was paid. I've lived in this town, in the, in the CSRA, in the Augusta, North Augusta area for 30, uh, almost 35 years. This, this stretch, just this, this particular stretch. I've raised years and years in Martin, but this stretch, my Christian life, about 35 of it has been spent, or 34 of it has been spent in this area. <laughs> and I'm glad to be able to say I never have had a bad debt. Never have. Not one. Now, I say that for this reason. When he pushes you over the edge, he'll finance the fall. He'll take care of you. He'll watch over you. He'll pay for you. And he'll stand with you and for you that you'll never have to be ashamed of your witness and your testimony. The worst thing a preacher can have is a debt he don't pay. Because I guarantee you, I don't care how good you can preach, if you can't do what you say, ain't nobody listening to what you've got to tell them. And God put me on this little piece of ground by a miracle that was dreamed. A destiny that was great. And God brought it all to pass by propelling me out of a pit right into the presence of the future. Now, I don't know what you're going through tonight. I don't know how sad and broken-hearted you may be. I tried to preach this last week so bad I could taste it. It never did get to, and I don't know why it lingered to tonight. But I want to tell you this. The greatest day of your life could be the worst feeling you've ever experienced in your soul. But God, right into the strangest places and the strangest person, a purpose for your life, God will manufacture that. Give Him praise if you believe that. Our Father, tonight thank You for the church and thank You for the believer. Thank You tonight for the Holy Ghost. I pray, Lord, that something's been said that edified and encouraged and blessed and built up and caused the saints of God to stand in the power of vision and destiny and see God do something for their future. Tonight, Lord, we love You. And it's not because of what we've done or what we've seen or what we own or what we have or the stuff that we've accumulated we love you because you're a God that has loved us and cared for us and helped us. wonder how many of you tonight will get up out of your seat and come and kneel and say, Preacher, right now it's the pits.